Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hit Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a podcast for women who are chasing epic and everyday adventures on their bikes. We are a production of Live Feisty Media and hosted by Christy Moan and Katherine Taylor. Well, hello, Catherine. Hi, Christy. Looks like you're in some new digs. I'm in my new apartment. It's pretty exciting, I think. Can you can you vacuum the entire place without unplugging your vacuum? Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> it's, so, it's it's pretty tiny. And the other thing is, well, one, I'm not much of a cook anyway. Like once upon a time, I was, but I just don't really. It's not how I want to spend my time. And then I haven't really cooked in three and a half, four months, really. Right. And so last night I tried to make a frozen pizza and I set the smoke alarm off. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's not even cooking. <laughs> <laughs> Let's yeah. just be clear. That's actually not cooking. <laughs> I know. I know. I've been unpacking all day. Yeah. I was like, what's in the freezer? A frozen pizza. Um, but then I went to the store today and I was just like, I couldn't remember how to put together like a meal. Like what things do I need to buy to put together a meal? And what do I even want to eat? You know, like if I'm making these decisions for myself. So yeah. anyway, <laughs> it's going to be a little bit of a transition. Well, I'm sure that you're excited to have your own space again, even though I'm sure it was amazing being with your niece and your brother and sister-in-law, but it's got to feel good to kind of have your own, your own space again. So. It's definitely quieter. <laughs> it's in the, it's such a good location too. Like I love the neighborhood. So okay. I'm really excited about that. And there's bike lanes, like just a few blocks over kind of going every direction. That's awesome. So cool. I'm excited to explore those. Good. Uh, what have you been up to? I saw you at a party. Oh, um, I was like, I had a party. Oh, um, no, we had a new, uh, restaurant here in town open up union street social. So, um, and, uh, Tim is taking on the role as their bar manager. And this is, these folks are great friends of ours and it's just been exciting watching them get to the point where they could open this restaurant. And, um, Amanda is a fabulous chef. Um, 
she always does our women's camp. So our, our women that are coming to camp are going to get to enjoy her food and, and it will be, it's, it will be incredibly enjoyable. So, um, yeah, Sunday, we were enjoying some cocktails there and then decided to take the scooters around and go to a couple other bars to have a cocktail at those bars, which, Oh, you went scooter bar hopping. We went, yeah, we did. Um, which my friend Lynn wrecked the scooter. So there was, (laughs) (laughs) but but Lynn, the, the, the funny thing about Lynn, Lynn and I look alike. She's always confused for me. And, um, and she's, she was back behind. We were like, we were already headed up to Mulready's and she was back behind us a little bit. And Treva was getting ready. It was also who was with us. Our athlete service managers for Unbound Gravel was going to video Lynn coming down the road. Well, there'd been a festival and there was a, one of those electric covers, like over some wires. And, yeah, yeah. um, she just didn't, she just didn't approach it appropriately and literally like flipped and watching oh. her. I mean, it was, it was the most glorious landing. Like she tucked and rolled. I mean, she looked like a pro. I was she like, was well, ready. yeah, she was ready, but she did. She got her shoulder, her elbow and her knee, like, you know, just, dun, dun, dun. but, um, she was fine, but it was her, you know, her knee swollen and it kind of, it kind of changed. The body she, I mean, her, her knee swollen. She can't walk. She's got road rash. But she's, she's fine. Like, <laughs> she rides gravel. Yeah, more cocktails. She's, yeah, she's like, <laughs> we did. We went into Mulready's and had a cocktail. So, but yeah, no, it was, it was fun, but that's what, yeah, that was what it was. So it was, a, it was a good, it was a good, uh, good fun day, but yeah. So. <laughs> My friends and I did that for, uh, one of our friends' birthday once in Atlanta, we got the scooters and we would get different ones, like at every place we went mm-hmm. and we were going down this hill toward like one of our destinations and I realized my the brakes on mine didn't work Uh oh, and it wasn't a big hill but it was I was like thankfully of this whole group I'm the one that has some cycling skills yeah I did run into a tree on my bike but um because I was like I just jumped off of it to like stop it anyway I'm like yeah these could be a little sketchy once you've had a drink or two in you yeah that was uh questionable (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was a super fun night though when we did it. Well, good, good. good. Yeah, that sounds like it was for you too. Yeah, it was fun. We had a good time. So. Yeah. And then um, women's camp is next week. I know. Yeah, it'll Very be exciting. in two days from when we air this. So I'm yeah. I'm looking forward to it. We're going to go up and ride Bleeding Kansas, which is a, it's going to be a fun event. It's a gravel Duro style. So it works out really well for the women and yeah, we're looking forward to it. Kristen Legan's coming. It's our head coach. Oh, nice. So it's going to be a good time. Nice. Yeah, we'll be having our feisty menopause summit yes. that weekend. So I'll be hanging out with uh, Celine all weekend. Nice. It'll be fun. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll hop over to some of that. So. Oh, yeah. I need to send you an entry. Um, well, we had a really fun conversation with uh, two of our frequent podcast guests. I know. <laughs> yeah, we had Jess, Jess and Laura's big adventure. <laughs> yeah. Laura and Jess's big adventure, which was Ted and Laura, Laura and Ted. <laughs> but <yes. laughs> yeah. uh, so Laura and Jess went on this four day bike pack hoteling trip on the Colorado Trail. 
after Jess's event, the last best ride. Mm-hmm. And um, so we kind of got to hear the scoop on their crazy climbing, um, <laughs> their crazy schedules, and just how they made all this work. And um, it's too impressive. <laughs> yes, I mean they 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 did it. It was cool. Yeah. So um, and the audio might get a little messed up. We had uh, just had some family issues going on, so she was calling on her phone. So if there's a little bit of a delay or we're talking over each other a little bit on this one, please excuse that. We were um, just really working uh, kind of with with scheduling. So we will get on to our conversation with Jess, Sarah, and Laura King. Christy, we have a new sponsor on the podcast. JoJ Bars has come on as one of our sponsors. Shut up. JoJ Bars are the best. I know. We both got to try them after the founder of, of JoJ Bars, Jess Sarah, came on the podcast and she sent us a sample box. Uh, which one was your favorite? Uh, my favorite was lemon blueberry quinoa, which I was not expecting. How about yeah. you? Uh, mine was the pancakes and bacon. Which tastes just like pancakes and bacon. It tastes just like pancakes and bacon. So and it's good. great. It's great to use on the bike or if I'm running late or trying to get out the door for a ride, which usually I'm running late and trying to get out the door. Uh, <laughs> I just grab it and have breakfast on the way. Yep. They taste good and you know they're good for you too. Jess is a chef and an athlete and she's not putting anything in her bars that she wouldn't put in her own body. Yeah. So they're all gluten-free. They don't use any artificial flavors or protein powders. It's all uh, formulated just for you for training or riding or just any adventure that you've got going on and knowing Jess I bet she sent you a code she did so <laughs> listeners of the podcast can can go to jojbars.com and use the coupon code gravel love 15 that's all lowercase gravel love 15 for 15 percent off all your orders nice I'm gonna get some before we go on our next gravel trip agreed Hey friends, we don't want chafing to keep you on the sideline from riding your bike. So we're bringing you some good news about Chamois Butter. Chamois Butter has come on as one of the sponsors of the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. They've been making chamois cream for over 30 years and they've got tons of five-star reviews. So if you have ever been to your bike shop, you've probably seen that iconic purple and yellow tube. There are several different versions, including the original, the pH neutral, her, tingly Euro style, which I'm very intrigued by, <laughs> and coconut with certified organic ingredients. They've got a special for our Girls Gone Gravel listeners. You can head over to chamoisbutter.com and you get free shipping on any orders of two tubes or more. They also have really fun limited edition merch, which I've got their cool chamois butter sweatshirt. These things I wear this sweatshirt all the time. It's one of my favorites to wear. It's very soft and very warm. I could say if you get any of their chamois butter gear, you will definitely stand out in a crowd. When we were at uh, an event a couple of years ago, a guy had a chamois butter kit on and everybody knew who he was. Like everybody was cheering for him. So if you want to stand out, go over, get your two tubes of chamois butter, get your free shipping, and then find some cool swag and merch. Yep. I think that sounds like a great idea. This is a first, Christy. What? That we have we, we have multiple people? No, we've had multiple people. Oh, yeah. We have somebody on the phone. We have somebody on the phone. Yes. 
It is a first. It is a we first. We just Sarah to, to, to throw a wrench in everything. <laughs> <laughs> Only because yeah. Jess can balance like 28 things at one time. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, this is actually perfectly representative of just Sarah. <laughs> Well, and if you don't recognize that voice, that's Laura King. So we've got Laura King and just Sarah joining us today um, for um, a really fun podcast. Thanks for having us. It's weird. Thank you. Jess. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's weird seeing just a little phone icon. <laughs> yeah, the phone turns green. Anyway. Up in the corner. Okay. Well, I have to start by asking both of you before we get into it, because we want to talk about your bike packing to hotels adventure. <laughs> which sounds like my kind of bike packing, but both of you, um, had events this summer. How, how are you all feeling? How are you recovering? Jess, you're the most recent. Let's start with you. I don't believe in recovery. <laughs> Apparently, uh, went straight from event to our little vacation, our bike trip vacation. So I think now that I'm back home, um, it's kind of all setting in that it happened and it was a success and I'm getting a lot of really amazing feedback from our community and participants and feeling really great about it. Yeah. And you ended up doubling your scholarship amount, correct? I wrote the night before Laura and I flew out to Colorado. I wrote $21,000 in scholarship checks. So we more than doubled the amount, which is kind of a really amazing figure if you think about it being our first year so we're we're proud of that for sure yeah That's awesome that was such a fun just weekend of activities kicking off with that with the brewery and hearing about the scholarship and then very wet women's ride and women's ride that was amazing like we had like 50 60 ladies show up and ride in the rain and mud That's so I have a quick anecdote about that ride, actually. The bike shop, Great Northern Cycle and Ski, that was our race partner, all of the mechanics showed up early on Saturday to be ready to help out. And they thought that it was like the entire race had shown up to do a ride because they'd never seen that many people together on bikes in Whitefish. And then when Stella Hobbs, she's one of the owners of the shop, told them like, no, that's just the women's ride. They were, they were flabbergasted. They could not believe that it was just women, that many women together leaving their parking lot to go for a ride in the rain. Voluntarily going, not like, they, <laughs> I, posted, I posted a picture on a uh, video on Instagram today. And I was, I'm just like amazed, like that many women showed up to ride in the rain together. Like, because <laughs> the next day the weather was perfect for the race. Yeah, close, close to perfect. But I mean, Girls Gone Gravel and Pinarello and JoJ, we all partnered together on the ride and making the brunch happen. And I think that ended up being such a great component that we added in and, you know, just making the pivot of moving the brunch indoors and everything and how it worked out was pretty cool. We had a discussion about that and Christy's Enneagram on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Her, her eight, um, <laughs> our, our last week's podcast that came out. Um, anyway, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm your eight girl. If you need shit getting done like that, <laughs> Christy's like, I found this community center. We no. have to right now. <laughs> I've never even been in this community center. 
near I am. Well, Christy's best friends with the people that work there. So if you need something booked there, she's got Annie's you. Annie's really nice. So obviously. What's great about that though is they pulled out these, like this notebook of like copied forms that you filled out the information. Oh for my gosh. And I had to write a check. Uh. <laughs> Everybody was like looking at each other. Did they have a check? I'm like, I've got checks. Let me go get them. <laughs> this is great. Small, anyway. small town charm. I'm sure Laura could share with you. I mean, our towns definitely, they mirror each other in those ways of that small town charm. <laughs> right, Laura? I mean, I know we're going to get into more of the backstory of our trip, but as Jess just shared when she was writing a check at 11 p.m. at night, I mean, we really should like, in a minute, go back to uh, the the nights prior and her prep because she really had no idea what we were even doing. She was just throwing clothes in her bag and asking me what she needed to pack. <laughs> Mostly, you know, Christy, just how exhausting. And we and we knew it was a gamble coming off of this, off of Jess's event to try and pack this in, but we were just sort of determined to do it. So yeah, at the nth hour, she's writing checks and trying to get him in the mail and leaving your dad instructions. And I was just like, I don't know how this is going to go, <laughs> but you know, through just Sarah fashion, it, came it went, it worked. Okay. Well, before we get into that, just give us a quick little recap of how your event went, Laura, because yours was like three weeks before. Yeah. But, um, it was a, you know, it was a relief to be able to hold it. And it was, it felt like a great success. We were really pleased. We also had some rain day of, but nothing that thwarted anyone's, um, you know, enjoyment of the day. And I think that it was a little bit sort of, it added to kind of what Vermont's all about, which is just like any kind of weather can happen. Um, so we were really pleased. And I mean, from there it was, I guess for, the, the event kind of marks when I feel like my summer can finally start. Mm -hmm. You know, it's Christy, I'm sure you can uh, relate to this too, but like you just feel a sense of relief. Like I'm, I felt like even though we had been to other events prior, this was, I felt like I could finally just relax once it was over. So from there we were immediately off to Leadville Steamboat, the last best ride, and then culminating with this, this bikepacking adventure that Jess and I kind of had dreamt up. So nuts. Yeah. Yeah. When you told me that what you guys were planning on doing, I was like, wait, does, does she know the event's not over even when it's over? <laughs> like, oh, she's not I done. Not, I did not know. I did yeah. not know that. Yeah. You're not done. But I mean, Laura was outside in my backyard, like cleaning out coolers and <laughs> helping me figure everything out. Um, and I should know, I've sort of, you know, I've been to both editions of Rooted now and I've watched and admired. Um, I think Laura is slightly more dialed than I am. So I had this fantasy of how the day was going to go and it did not go that way, <laughs> but it was still great. <laughs> learn something new every event right Christine? yep every event 
Yeah. I was talking to Amy Charity today and she, they were over at the warehouse still cleaning coolers. And she's like, does this ever end? I'm like, no, <laughs> it ends just in time for you to start again. So <laughs> anyway, let's talk about the, the Laura, Laura and Jess's big adventure. Where did this idea come from? Uh, I think, uh, I guess I'll speak first, but I think that the idea came from, well, Jess and I got to spend a lot of time together in California in the springtime with the mill district. And I think one of, I think number one, we just learned we really love to spend time together and ride together. And we have so much to, we can relate to each other with everything we have kind of going on in our lives. And um, I think one thing after this trip that we really reflected on is that compatibility is so important in something like this, because if we had not been such compatible riders in um, ability and temperament and uh, just everything, I think that this could have gone sideways quickly. So we're really grateful for that and grateful that we kind of thought long and hard about what what this was going to look like and how we wanted to go about it. But um, also just speaking personally, Ted has done some cool adventures and I sort of bargained with him a little bit for, you know, he went and did this thousand mile um, Arkansas adventure and was gone for almost two weeks. And so I kind of said, well, can I have some adventure days to set aside? And um, he said, yeah, of course. And so I wanted to take advantage of those days and kind of brought up the idea to Jess, just like, let's plan something. We didn't know what we, what we were going to do or what it would look like. Um, and really the idea just came from the first person when I thought about adventure to reach out to was our friend, Nicole Baker. So, um, I can talk more about that in a minute, but Jess, what do you, what do you think? I, I mean, yeah, just to echo what Laura is saying is, when we spent, we spent about a month together at the Mill District Fellow, and we actually, Sam, my boyfriend Sam and I shared a house with Ted and Laura, and going into that, I think we were all thinking, wow, this could either go really horrible, or it could be really fun, and luckily, it ended up being the latter into Sam and Ted's horror. They figured out that there's, there's two people, <laughs> like, there's two Laura and Jess personalities out in the world. And by that, I mean, Laura and I operate on a similar level of intensity, um, which is meant to be positive. You know, we're really driven and we work really hard and um, kind of put our entire heart into everything we're doing. Um, but that also like lends itself to be like Laura was saying, being, we, you know, we look at work and riding and balancing all the same, but don't often take a lot of time just to ourselves or a lot of time to go out of our comfort zone and the trip we, we started discussing options and Laura brought up Nicole and we just thought you know we're constantly advocating for other women to get into the sport and to not be afraid to toe the line at a race but what have we done recently where we can really kind of move the needle on our comfort zone. And this was something we'll have mountain bike riding and a little bit of racing dabbled into our background, but never had we bike packed, never had we been on the Colorado trail. 
So it just seemed really appealing to try something foreign. That's what I loved about it. It was like, you guys put on your big girl chamois. <laughs> you don't know they were what? <laughs> your big girl chamois, you only took one, right? <laughs> yeah, one, one chamois. After one, we were afraid that we uh, maybe were in a little over our heads. Um, thankfully that, I mean, the first day was from Silverton, Colorado to Lake City, Colorado. And, you know, when Nicole, I mean, she masterminded this four day route and it was very hard from the route files to really make sense of how hard or how easy it was gonna be. When you get a route file that says 50 miles and 8,000 feet of climbing, like we do that all day long. We could do mm -hmm. that for a month on end. Um, it is, it is so, different in this terrain to conceive of that kind of, I mean, that ride took us eight hours that day and to really understand what it feels like to do, I think 60% of it was over 12 or above 12,000 feet. Um, and to understand like what that feels like and how much we'd be pushing our bikes and how much, you know, just the loaded down we would feel and, um, the added time elements of consistently like Get the time it takes to filter water and get stop and eat food and um, everything was, I mean, we, we knew it was going to be a big ride, but it was still hard to mentally wrap our heads around the fact that it was going to be that hard and that long and that taxing. Um, and then just like already coming into town late thinking about needing to find food and needing to find provisions for the next day. So it was a lot of like, um, you know, it's, it wasn't just coming home and er, coming back to the hotel and like flopping on the bed. It was like, okay, now we need to wash all of our things and organize and charge our batteries. And, um, I actually can't even envision trying to have slept. I think it would have been really foolish for us as a first time kind of excursion like this to try and sleep outside because uh, of the complexity of kind of everything we're still dealing with just as just with the ride alone. Did you guys have bivvies in case you got stuck out there? Jess forgot hers. So I had an emergency bivy and um, the pack <laughs> package showed that two people could fit inside of it. So we just decided we would get in the emergency bivy together if we needed it. Yeah. <laughs> emergency. <laughs> Yeah, we actually had a lot of emergency um, emergency equipment. Just do you want to talk about what you brought? Except for your bivy. Yeah. Yeah, minus, minus the bivy. Yeah, I mean, Nicole did a great job preparing us, but, but she also kept reminding us every time she talked about the routes that she had shared the routes with a lot of locals or a lot of people who knew a lot about the Colorado Trail and the consensus consistently was, whoa, I would never put those four days together. That's a lot. So in the back of our minds, like Laura said, sleeping out there was just, it was, it was too much. But Nicole, she sent us with an entire medical supply pack, which included a syringe with saline wash, antibiotics, ointment, bandages, and things like that. 
we actually never had to use any of that on ourselves, but we did help a rider who had flown off the side of the trail and hit a tree and had a pretty bad concussion. So um, the idea was if, if you pack it, you probably won't need it. Our rain capes, we had emergency battery pack, an emergency light. Oh boy, what am I forgetting? We forgot deodorant. <laughs> <laughs> which became my emergency. <laughs> uh, obtained that in Silverton, Colorado at their little market um, and found out that they do still make teen spirit. So that was a, a fun little purchase. <laughs> uh, what, what else am I forgetting that we had for emergency supplies or a tons of food? We had enough untapped maple syrups to fill up an entire tree we had jojo bars galore and you know what we could, honestly we learned that we could not pack enough food in a day really there wasn't almost enough space to carry enough food huh. for the amount of calories that we were needing to to get in yeah i think we were really surprised by how much we needed to eat every day and carry with us um but the big the most important piece of equipment on this trip was the garmin inreach mm -hmm. uh which I, oh, right. I had never used before, but definitely um, we just we just purchased one and subscribed to this service so that you, when you don't have cell service, you can use satellite to send messages. And most importantly, you can also um, have a map at all times. So we were kind of going between two maps, the map on our Wahoo computers and then also um, this map was a little bit different in how it oriented and um, you could also look for like, she, well, uh, Nicole had marked water stops and bailout options. I mean, she really like held our hand through all of this. Um, so the, yeah, I would have, I would never have done this route without a Garmin in reach. And she showed us where the SOS button was and <laughs> don't accidentally push that. <laughs> And then, you know, emergency contacts. So we could, it was really nice assurance to know that like if something was going wrong or we were in the middle of a terrible storm or whatever, we had we had the ability to message someone. That's and I think the first, the, the first day when we were above 12,000 feet for so long and you could sort of see the storms in the distance and it was really freaky. Um, and having that piece of equipment was helpful. And we also, I think shortly after we left Nicole, we ran into this woman who looked like she had been out hiking the Colorado trail for like a thousand years. And she had this look in her eyes as she told us about the worst lightning storm that she had ever lived through the night before. And Laura and I were like, okay, we're just going to do the first day and then we're going to rethink this vacation idea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we didn't mention that Nicole kind of, um, she rode the first two hours with us and kind of just made sure we were on our way and set. And I think she was a little anxious to leave us because she could see, especially in my eyes, I was really anxious with the weather. It was kind of the wind was picking up and, um, I, I was prepared that like, you know, lightning storms could be um, something that we experience and being above tree line all day long had me just feeling more and more anxious. Like all I wanted to do was get down and the more we moved forward 
and re and the later it got in the day, the more I realized we're not actually going to be down for a long time. And so it was like, finally, when we got to tree line, I felt like, okay, now it doesn't matter what time we roll into the hotel. It can be 10 PM, but I just felt like this sense of relief. Cause I, for one was just, especially the first day, just, just worried about getting caught in a storm and what I, you know, I found myself riding thinking, okay, there's a rock outcropping. Would we get under there? What would we <laughs> like solving the problems? If people, I spent a summer on the Colorado trail in um, Westcliff, Colorado. So not far from there. And if people haven't, aren't familiar with that, especially like you're coming from East coast mountains, like once you get above tree line, if you're hiking those, they, they say to hit the peak by one o'clock because almost every day storms roll in the afternoon and it's literally nothing there. It's just rocks. Mm -hmm. and a little path. And it's not even easy. Like a lot of times it's just really it's shale or it's dirt down the side of the mountain. So it's not even easy to like get down somewhere if you're up on, on the top of there. So that's why when Laura's talking about, um, how stressful it is to be above the tree line with storms rolling in, you're literally the lightning rod. Yeah. You're completely exposed. So and this yeah. really struck by how small it, these mountains make you feel. And I think that's why I was, I've been drawn to the San Juans for a long time, but I mean, cause they're just like, unlike any kind of mountain I've ever been in, they're just so immense. Yeah. What was it? Both of you are pretty performance driven. What was it like just to be out there on an adventure and having fun or having fun, <laughs> maybe type two fun. Jess, you want to take well, that one? Okay. Yeah. So that's a great question because obviously like we would both be lying if we, pretended like it wasn't about the workout a little bit. I don't think either one of us would be satisfied on a vacation unless we sort of achieved that feeling every day. And you didn't really have to do much to achieve it. And I think we figured that out pretty quickly. Like the, the very first day, the part that Nicole rode with us was a 4,000 foot gravel-ish climb. It was very steep. We had to walk some of it. So I think from a performance standpoint, our thoughts were, okay, we're just going to, you know, take each segment of the day and break it apart. And it became less about how fast we were doing it or if we could even ride anything. We learned early on that like a small technical feature that you could normally, you know, get over on a bike, you wouldn't try it at 11,000 feet because it would just result in getting off and sitting down and taking a breath like that is how hard it was to do anything up there so I think it was like we just naturally would piece apart like sections and the first day was brutal because we would get over a climb that we would mostly push up and we'd be like okay we're to the high point no we're not and you could just see it's the road or the trail making in the distance um so it was more like mental performance I think that we we're focusing on every day because you didn't really have to focus on the physical. It was just so hard, even just existing and like breathing up there was hard. And we also learned very quickly that the elevation map is, um, uh, the tiniest little bump can be so massive. And, um, it wasn't always, I mean, it, I guess it was just, we had to learn to expect, even when you saw a little bump, to that that it might be huge and kind of I guess 
that helped, I think, mentally in the in the next days. But um, I think that's also why the first day felt like it was never going to end because I kept saying just just to the top, and then we're we're then it's downhill the whole way, and it wasn't. It was like bump after <laughs> after bump, and that can be hard. No, that's mentally exhausting. one more bump. Yeah, it does. It's yeah. And and I, go ahead, Jess. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say that, and the elevation of okay, you gain eight thousand feet on a ride. Multiply that by two. This is not what eight thousand feet feels like on a road bike or a gravel bike. It is. It's almost like mind blowing. I told Laura, I said, I don't think that these files are right, and she said, Well, the Garmin inReach will read it, and it's like the same thing. It just feels so much harder at that pace. Yeah, every day, Jess is doubting the computer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, comp you're comparing it to your performances in Whitefish, which are totally different. Yeah. Do you think you could uh, ride up the ski hill on your 95-mile route after doing this event? <laughs> um, I still, I don't know. I guess I need to try it on a mountain bike to see if I could get up it. It certainly you can at least breathe there because it only goes up to 6,800 yeah. feet. Yeah, that's, that's um, yeah. Well, Jess, you, you had a revelation the other day after getting back onto your gravel bike. Yeah, I text Laura and I said, wait till you ride your gravel bike. Everything seems so easy now. Like, it just, there's a new level of like what it takes to ride up something or try something. And I feel like I'm a completely different rider in how just from four days of so much technical riding and just your body. One thing we weren't expecting was how sore our sit bones were going to be from carrying packs. And I can't even, the only other time that I've ever couldn't feel my butt was at Unbound. <laughs> <laughs> So I was like, that's my metric of not being able to feel my butt means like, this is really hard. <laughs> and that happened in like the first hour of every day. So oh, wow. yeah, getting back on a gravel bike, it just felt like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm a better rider because of this trip. And you were also on a borrowed bike. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, Nicole, let me borrow her Yeti. And then the nice thing was, it's a Yeti SB130, so I had 130 mils of travel on the back and 150 up front, and I think Laura was 120, 100, so while she probably was getting a little bit more beat up going down, there was a significant weight difference of our bikes going up. Um, yeah, but, but she had the I, I love <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she was carrying the busy, right? Good point. Good point. You couldn't drop her because then you lost your emergency. <laughs> I uh, I want to know, like, I think one of the things that always kind of freaks me out a little bit, because I've never, <clears throat> I haven't done this for such a long time, is, is the water sources. Were they very reliable up there? Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, Nicole did such a good job of marking the water sources. And I actually, one thing I have used in the past is a little filter. Um, it's a, the one I use is a Sawyer mini filter and it's super easy and it just attaches to the bag and you basically roll it into your bottle. And 
that, so I was familiar with using the filter and we had all the water stops, but to Laura's point about not understanding what those bumps on the map meant, the first day we, we really messed up and Nicole forced us to stop at the first water stop and we didn't stop at the next one because we were like, oh, it's just like four more bumps. And then, you know, six hours later, we were like, okay, lesson learned. When Nicole marks a water stop, <laughs> it means get water. That said, there were even more water stops in the coming days in addition to what she marked. So um, it was, yeah, to answer your question, it was not, if you're paying attention, it's not challenging to find water. A lot of people asked us why we carried backpacks. Um, and a part of that was we used a, we decided to use a camelback because both of our frames, I believe just your frame, our frames only had a um, room for one water bottle. Um, so we carried, what, a two and a half liter, Jess, what, Camelback? I think it was two and a half liters. Yeah, it was like two. Yeah, Nicole also lent us her Osprey packs that they're basically designed for long, long wear usage. And they sort of have like a, I don't know if you call it an ergonomic factor, but they're sort of like molded for your back and they have a really smart bladder system. Um, there's just, there would be no way in my mind to carry enough water without that on this trip. Yeah. So that was the main reason. Um, and all along in my naivety, I'm thinking we're carrying like the type of hydration system we might use at a gravel race. Um, not realizing like it was in just the water alone was really heavy and I think that's again why we didn't expect to have such sore sit bones it's like I was said to Jess we sit on our bikes for you know 15 yeah. hours a week the last thing you would ever think is that your sit bones are going to hurt so bad but with that added weight um that definitely was something I didn't expect well I we, we also both had um moose packs made us custom stem bags and we also have custom made handlebar bags that are a little bit oversized and that Nicole imparted on us also like use your packs but try to get as much weight off your back as you can so we were able to get I think we were putting mostly like our toiletries and the things that had more weight <laughs> in the moose packs uh, stem bag and handlebar bag and that did make a really big difference not to have that in the pack. And then you all um, chose to do this instead of camping outside, like you mentioned, you went town to town and hit up hotels at night, which sounds like my type of bike packing. <laughs> um, but you also, besides your emergency gear and the things you had to have, you went pretty light on what you took with you, right? Like you each had a kit and kind of an outfit for when you got to town. Is that right? Correct. We had, we definitely had winter gear that we brought along. Um, Nicole just said, you know, it, if you get stuck in a storm, you, it can turn really cold, really fast. So we had winter gloves, winter hat, um, a winter thermal base layer. We had a, our, instead of just a cycling rain jacket, we had our like Patagonia rain jackets um, and a vest. 
So we definitely tried to be prepared in the in the layers just in case something were to have happened. Thankfully, we never had to use those. It, we did wear our rain jackets every day just because setting out in the morning, it's chilly. Um, what else, Jess? Well, Laura had the epiphany first off, just to back up a little bit. When we first started planning all of this with Nicole, we were on a call with her one day and she basically was like, you have... Um, you have like all mountain train shoes that you can walk in and ride in. And Laura and I were like, uh, <laughs> deer and headlight. No, we don't have those. So, um, Jiro supported our trip with new mountain bike helmets and shoes, the Ventana shoe, I think they call it. And when we got them, we were so impressed with how comfortable they are they're like wearing a tennis shoe and after wearing it for a week, you don't ever want to go back to a carbon gold shoe again. And after we were trying them out, Laura said, I don't think that we even need to pack a second pair of shoes because we can just walk around town in these. And that's what we ended up doing, you know, high fashion. We had our moose pack stem bags as our clutches. It looked like <laughs> our, orthopedic shoes. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, cruising around town in like our one tank top and running shorts that are like rolled into a ball in the packs all day. Oh, this is amazing. Well, luckily you guys are taken. So you weren't cruising for boys. <laughs> also, I feel like that's kind yes. of in the mountain towns. Just yes, they even go, go ahead. I was going to say, despite our appearance, we still did get picked up or tried to get picked up in, um, Rico, we, we had a, a strong invite to the hot springs that we declined. <laughs> Dang. It's amazing. <laughs> it was probably because you bought that deodorant, Jess. I know. We had to laugh. One, we had to laugh one evening as we both looked at each other in our bed stands and we had our eye masks, our earplugs, and our cleaners. <laughs> so we we definitely um need everything dark and quiet when we sleep. Uh, and I just laughed at me because I also brought mascara and concealer and she's like, what you packed that. <laughs> I was like, you know, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> she goes, is that why you look so good this morning? Um, but really I just thought about like, okay, we're taxing ourselves so much. I mean, every morning we would laugh at like how much bigger our eye bags were. And so I just thought, you know, they say to like, I almost felt like it's a part of my like getting ready in the morning that makes me feel like I'm okay. Now I'm switching into a mode that's like ready to take on my day. So I, it, it's almost like a something that mentally helps me to like get into the work of the day. <laughs> <laughs> you're not the only one in gravel that puts makeup on before they go right <laughs> it's okay <laughs> um I love that okay so you had hotels every night did, did you feel like that helped just kind of reset every day for the the next day's adventure oh yeah it was definitely the first night we were a little shell-shocked you know we didn't I don't think we rolled into we rode from Silverton to Lake City on the first day, and I think we rolled in around 7.30, and the sun is already behind the mountains then, and we <laughs> we ate dinner uh, <clears throat> at the first little cafe we could find, and 
we were so late that our hotel actually called us and asked us if we were coming. (laughs) She's like, we usually get worried about people when they haven't checked in by now. But I think to Laura's point, we realized like, okay, this isn't exactly relaxing. We have to wash all our clothes. We have to wash ourselves. We have to charge everything and we need to figure out we have no food for the morning. We have zero snacks left because we ate everything today. So um, it was definitely the first night we had to figure out like, how are we going to organize all of this? But the second day was considered our recovery day. Um, We did a five hour ride that was just one climb up and over back to Silverton. And I think we really needed that for morale. We spent a really fun afternoon in Silverton, just kind of walking around. We discovered there was a funnel cake factory next to our hotel, which was my trip highlight. And we just, we had a little bit of time to regroup and think about like, how are we going to make this a little more enjoyable? But every town that we stayed in was adorable and we had picked great hotels. I would say for anyone that plans to try to do this trip, even just the night to spend a little extra money on the highly rated hotels that are maybe more of like the historical hotels in town, because it's totally worth staying in, in those hotels. Um, wouldn't you say so, Laura? Yeah, but I would say like, so it's basically you choose one hotel over the other one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Really Good point. <laughs> the more highly rated. Yeah, these towns were like one street long. Rico is, I think, a town of 300 people. Um, So really quickly, we went Silverton to Lake City day one, Lake City back to Silverton day two, a different route. Um, Silverton to Rico day three, and then Rico back to Durango on day four. Uh, And so outside of Durango, yeah, these towns didn't have a lot to offer with a plentitude of options. I, I think our hotel in nope go oh go ahead no go oh I was gonna say our hotel in Rico was called what was it the Gold Mine Inn Mine and Shaft. it was run by a mine shaft the the gal running it she's like ah, she's like you can put your bikes on the back porch I grew up in this town and there's only 300 people if they get stolen she's like I know who took them <laughs> we were like great amazing. <laughs> I love those little towns in Colorado. I want to know, I'm trying to think of the name of it. I saw it on Nicole's Instagram, but there's a restaurant in Durango that I literally want to go to Durango just to eat at it. Um, I can't think of the name of it. It's not El Dorado, but anyway, I'm going to have to figure that out, but you guys must not have gone there. Well, um, as our days would go, we, I mean, well, to back up, day three and four were really um, big again after our reco- so-called recovery day. Um, and we, after day three, we were feeling pretty overwhelmed. Um, I'd say that evening, our stress level was high. Um, unfortunately, Nicole was on a plane to Iceland, and so we no longer could consult her. So we were mm-hmm. calling her friend, Eddie, who, um, was our kind of emergency contact and a local mountain biker and calling Ted and trying to figure out reroutes for the next day, because we were pretty certain that there was no way we were going to be able to do the full day. Um, cause it was going to be another eight to nine hour day. And I think we just, 
I think we needed to know that there was an out in, and also kind of hadn't yet regrouped that evening. We woke up the next morning. Um, we decided to push our start by an hour just so we could get some rest. So we left at eight and we set out without any conversation about, we set out as though we were doing the, the truncated version. Um, but as soon as we started climbing, I knew deep down and I knew all night while sleeping that I was pretty sure that that wasn't what was going to happen. And I think Jess knew the same. We knew, we know each other and we know that it's, you know, we would have finished and felt like that we didn't, we, we didn't, didn't do it. We didn't do it. So after some conversation of the first climb and just being able to kind of process it all, we were in. And, um, then we, it was such a long day that we literally rolled in, I think close to 6 30 PM maybe. And it was from then on, it was just like one thing, go get food, pack up the bike, get the shipping labels on it, you know, just everything that needed to be done. So we could have a 7am cab ride to the airport in the morning. Oh, wow. She flew out the next morning. First thing. <laughs> okay. That's the one thing I would have yeah. done differently. <laughs> I would have been like, we're going to have a recovery day in Durango where we're not riding our bikes. Called a spa. Yeah. Spa. That's us too. But you know, I'm working with like, um, Ted's on hazel duty and I know I, my time is precious. And, um, so we're like maximizing all the days that I have. And I think same for Jess with taking work off. She, she mm -hmm. has another job on top of race organizing. Um, so we just were like another job just has like six other jobs. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, we were like, it was a little bit stressful getting back and Nicole also has this amazing thing called a tree net. It's like this gigantic net that is suspended from the trees in her backyard and it overlooks the most insane sunset ever. And we were like, we're going to get in that tree net. It, it kills us. And then of course it's like 10 30 and we're sitting on the floor of Nicole's guest house, drinking rosé and eating takeout <laughs> out of the box. And we're like, okay, so we didn't make it in the tree net, but <laughs> saw plenty of other good views on this trip so that's, that's awesome. what it is <laughs> that's amazing uh, and you had rosé so yeah um well I'm curious like what is something you each learned about yourself on this trip <laughs> oh that's a good one <laughs> I'm not sure it's a completely new revelation but I it's good to be reminded that sometimes you know something that seems daunting and overwhelming to take some time to like, for me, taking time to process it and um, not immediately making a decision um, helps it to be a little bit more, I guess, palatable. Um, and I think I'll just carry that with me in other challenging endeavors. Just like, you know, sometimes it's really just getting to the top of the next climb and not thinking you can't necessarily think about the entirety of everything you still have to do, or you'll just be totally overwhelmed. That's a good one. What yeah. You got, for me, for me, um, the, like how important the technical, the technology stuff is. I usually leave that to Sam 
And for the most part, I left that to Laura. We had a running joke that she was the technical coordinator. And I basically, <laughs> I was lost. But I, I realized after the first day that I needed to have a little bit more patience and digest that part of it and learn a new skill. Um, but just grunting my way through all of the physical endurance, sometimes like that could get me in trouble. And so trying to learn a little bit more how to pay attention to the inreach and the maps and understanding all of that. And something Nicole kept warning us about is there's a lot of situations where when an emergency comes up, like if there's lightning and we're above tree line, we have to leave each other because we can't be a conduit to each other. Or if one of us gets hurt and we have to leave each other. <laughs> and so that was kind of resonating in my mind um, that I don't really, I don't have the patience for that. And that it's pretty important, especially if you want to be savvy with these types of adventures, it's actually really important. I enjoyed working together as a team though. Um, there, you know, there, we, that's not something I get to experience as often and just kind of taking the lead on water and I was taking the lead on navigation. And then we came up when we came upon this guy that had just crashed. I did not, I, in an emergency, I'm, I don't know what to do. I kind of froze and just the, well, the gentleman that, um, accompanied the guy that got hurt had no idea what to do for his friend and just, just took command of the situation and was super calm and immediately just instructed him that he needed to get glucose into his system and ask the right questions and really had her, unfortunately her experience of, um, crashes and traumatic brain injuries through road cycling really shown through. And so I collectively through the four days, as we kind of showed where our different skill sets were, I don't know, it just made me proud of like our self-sufficiency and then also our teamwork together and, and learning how to be good teammates. Yeah, it was actually the takeaway more than I remember just the views and the accomplishment is really like the sort of bond that we created. And like Laura said, just you know, not that we, anything terrible happened, but feeling that sense of trust and being able to work together to get through each, each little day and problem solve. That was really special. And to our earlier point about getting out of our comfort zone, like together we did and we, we did it and we didn't cut any of the days short. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think like some of that stuff you're, you all are saying is really important because as adventures are getting, adventures like these are getting more accessible and more people are doing them, but there's also like, you've really got to respect the outdoors and you've got to respect the mountains. Mm -hmm. You've got to, it's not, I'm going on my local gravel ride. Um, just from spending time in the mountains, I know how dangerous those mountains can be if you're not prepared for everything. Yeah, we, yeah. In that crash, we definitely were, re-reminded just to ride within our own limits. Yeah. We never felt bad about hopping off our bike to get down something or just not wanting to take the risk because even just seeing that accident and knowing how far um, they, the two men were going to have to hike out um, because unless they were going to call a helicopter, I mean, it's, 
it's a pretty serious situation and can be really serious really quickly. So it's just not, it's not the data or it's not the time to be trying to show off your extreme skills. And it's like, if, if you, if it doesn't feel comfortable, just top off. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That definitely goes back to the compatibility of us riding together. Like we both have the same spirit of wanting that challenge, but really like I felt so I feel so safe when I'm with Laura and I'm riding with her and I trust her and um there's definitely you know you can't do that with every single person it's like we all have our different like ride relationship friends like the days where you want to maybe go a little faster you know go for a coffee shop spin but it's just like for us we really kind of live on that same line of compatibility and that was really really that made the trip so easy and fun to me yay that sounds fantastic okay are you doing another one <laughs> you know us too well <laughs> we're, we're full post-adventure depression yeah <laughs> later we're already talking about our post-adventure depression and what we're gonna do next <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I'm sure it's going to be something fantastic. I can't wait to hear about it. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for joining us today and just for calling in. I know your life has been crazy. So we really appreciate you um, just making time to get on. And you too, Laura. I mean, you're in between family vacation and your mom's coming in tonight. So you can go on another big adventure. So um, you all are both very busy and we always appreciate you taking time to share with our community. And, and, and as hokey as this sounds, I'm so proud of you guys for putting on your big girl chamois and doing something so different. It was awesome to watch. Thank you. Thank Aww, you. Thank you. <laughs> Christy, do you know one thing that I'm really sick of? What is that? All the freaking trends and that are coming out in wellness. Like, Ethan, uh, avoid that. I don't even yeah, know where to start. Uh, yeah. I don't know where to start. I don't know who to trust. Yeah. But we have a new sponsor that I'm pretty excited about. Have you, have you yes. done your stuff? Yeah. I'm so stoked. Yeah. So Inside Tracker is our new sponsor and they're going to cut through all the noise and they're going to analyze our blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness trackers. And then we get personalized science-backed trackable action plans for how we should eat, age. We need that and perform better. I know. I'm excited. It's the cool thing about it is it's, it's cheaper and it's way more convenient than the traditional blood tests. Um, they include biomarkers that are key to performance. So, so information that we're not getting from traditional blood tests. Um, and I think my favorite part is that they're not just going to give us the data, but they're providing us with nutrition and lifestyle tips to help us take action and cut through the noise. Yes. I love that. Cause I feel like whenever I go to the doctor and I get blood tests, I have no idea what to do with them. Right. Exactly. Yep. And I don't, they don't apply to like whatever I'm doing. Um, and the good news is because they are a sponsor of the podcast, all of you all get 25% off their entire store. You just go yes. to insidetracker.com slash girls gone gravel. Change is an inside job. Start on the inside. You have been listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by the team at Live Feisty Media. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating. It really helps other women find the podcast. 
And be sure to follow us at Girls Gone Gravel on Instagram or Facebook.